Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. And if you have your Bible today, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Numbers. Numbers. And turn there to Numbers 11, and I will begin in verse 24. Amen. Thank you, worship team, musicians, for blessing us today in song and worship. How many of y'all enjoyed that new song? Let's testify. When I shout, no, I'm shouting. <laughs> there was an old song we used to sing. I guess it's not too old. I keep saying old song. I'm making some of y'all feel, I'm, I apologize. It's not really that old, but we used to, we used to sing a song, and it, it, it said, you know, Someone, someone asked the question, why do we sing? When we lift our hands to Jesus, what does it really mean? And someone may be wondering, while I sing my song, at times I may be crying and nothing's even wrong. I sing because I'm happy. <laughs> I sing because I'm free. I like this part. His eye is on the sparrow, so I know he watches me. Uh, that's why we sing. We're not crazy, we're just redeemed. Somebody say, y'all Pentecostals get crazy. No, it's not just us Pentecostals. It's biblical. We just, we just excited that God saved us. We didn't, we didn't even deserve it, but he saved us. And we just, we just happy to be here. If we could go around the room and testify for a little while, there'd be some folks say, I was a drug addict and the Lord took me off drugs. And I was an alcoholic and the Lord took me off alcohol. And we'll thank all 17 of you, but for the rest of y'all who, who really know where the Lord brought you from, is there anybody glad? When I shout, no, I'm shouting from a heart that's been washed clean. Woo. Look, let me, let me preach this morning. Numbers chapter 11, beginning in verse 24. When you have it, just shout, I got it. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took the spirit that was on him and gave it to the 70 elders. Hmm. Somebody say he took the spirit that was on Moses and gave it to them. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Numbers 11 sounded a lot like Acts 2. Mm. But there remained two men in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested on them. 
they weren't in, they weren't in the tabernacle. They were just in the camp. And the Spirit fell on them. And they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and me, Dad, do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord, forbid them. Don't let them do that. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would God, I want you to notice this last part here. said, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses got him into the camp. He and the elders of Israel. This morning, if you'll allow me for just a few moments, I want to preach to you all the Lord's people. Somebody say all the Lord's people. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word and I thank you for what we feel in this house today. You're so good to us. You're so kind. And God, today we humble ourselves. We ask you now to speak to us through your word. Use my voice today, Lord, to speak your word, to speak truth. God, I pray today that your spirit would fall in this house like it did in Numbers 11 and be poured out upon all your people. I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would give us demonstration today and that we would not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word also. And Lord, we'll be so careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for what you do in this house today. And if you believe it with me now, would you put your hands together and would you shout in Jesus' name? Come on, shout it again in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. I have heard it said many times as a student of the Word of God and also a student of theology I do not have a degree in theology, uh, not on paper. Um, however, I am a student of theology. I love orthodoxy and orthopraxy, and I, I love to read the, the scripture and value the hermeneutical value of the word of God. And I try to preach uh, exegesis and not eisegesis as much as I can. And if you don't know what that means, it means I, I like to preach directly from the word and not necessarily a ton of my opinion. Exegesis is straight from the word of God, preaching the word of God as it is, as it sits, as it reads, context and text. And eisegesis is uh, taking one scripture and making a ton of references about it and trying to put my own opinion into it. And uh, every preacher in this world uh, does a little bit of both. It, it, it's, it's what's common to the preach word of God. And we're not preaching for our own benefit because the Bible tells us that the Lord hath chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So today, if you think I'm a fool for being a preacher, you got to blame that on God, not me. Because it was his decision to do that, not mine. 
the Lord hath chosen the foolishness of preaching to them that believe. And as you reference and look at theology and uh, the value of first mentions in the Bible and types and shadows, you realize that the Old Testament conceals the New Testament. And the New Testament reveals the Old Testament. And the Bible will tell us later on in the book of Hebrews that a testament has no power until the death of the test, the tester, and that is Jesus. When Jesus dies, the New Testament has value. However, the New Testament was not written until after Jesus' death. The closest being about 30 years after Jesus died, and that is the book of Matthew, to which today we have several uh, portions of the original book that Matthew wrote. Meaning, in the possession of humans today, there are portions of Matthew's book that he actually wrote. This is his actual handwriting. And it is the last book and the only book, the only book of the Bible that we have actual handwritten data on. Every other book is a book from a book, a continuation, meaning that the book of John, we don't have John's actual writing, his actual ink on the paper. We have someone who took that book and wrote a transcript to it. So, so when you read your Bible today, you are reading the closest thing to the actual word of God. And if you're reading the New Testament, you're reading the, the closest thing to the actual historical evidence of Jesus' life on this planet. And the years that followed after that, the birth of the church and the beginning of the book of Acts, and then the ensuing time frame after that, until the end of the Bible, when John the Revelator, who is the last disciple left alive, living on the island of Patmos, as he writes the final book of the Bible to reveal what the end time will look like. All of that in the New Testament is a revelation of what the Old Testament was talking about. It reveals what happened in the Old Testament. And I, and I said that to, to say this is that when, when you read your Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament are both important for understanding the story of Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the Old Testament. He is revealed in the New Testament, but he is concealed in the Old Testament. And the New Testament will reveal him, his power, his identity, and his deity. Jesus will say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He will ask the Sadducees and Pharisees, how is it that you don't know me? For the prophets spoke of me. In one portion of the New Testament, Jesus will sit down with his disciples and the Bible says that he will begin at Moses 
which is Genesis. Moses wrote Genesis. Jesus will sit down and he will begin at Moses and from Moses to that moment reveal through the scriptures what the prophets wrote concerning him. He will start at Moses and show them that even from the book of Genesis, I was being revealed. They were talking about me back in Genesis. We see this in Genesis chapter 3 where God tells the serpent, he said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. And you shall bruise his heel, but he is going to crush your head. Speaking of Jesus, it is concealed in the Old Testament. It is revealed in the New Testament. And as a, as a part of study, I love to find those types and shadows in the Old Testament that conceal what is revealed in the New Testament. Because if we open our Bibles today and start at the book of Matthew, there is a clear story of a son born to a virgin who came into this world. God manifests in the flesh. The image of the living God who the Bible tells us that God saw fit that the fullness of the Godhead would dwell in Jesus bodily. Meaning that all of God was in him. And if, you, if you've been around long enough, you know the old song we sing, it's all in him. It's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in him. And if you open your Bible and read it from the book of Matthew to the book of Revelation, you will see a revealing story of a God that loved us so much he sent his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. It is a story of hope. It is a story of redemption and it is a story of adoption of how Jesus came, lived and died. He lived among us and died for us that we might have everlasting life. But more than Jesus is revealed in this moment, we have to understand that even the Old Testament, even the Old Testament is revealing the Savior from Genesis to Revelation, not just Matthew to Revelation. From Genesis to Revelation, we are seeing, we are seeing a story develop of God trying to get back what he lost in the garden. He lost his creation. He lost his sons and daughters. He lost Adam and Eve. He lost mankind. He did not lose them physically. He lost them spiritually. There was a time when the word would come down in the garden. And in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. John 1 and 1. The same was in the beginning with God. John 1 and 14. And the word became flesh but in Genesis 3 we see that the voice of God came into the garden and the voice of God, the word of God would speak to Adam and Eve and there was a relationship there in the cool of the day the Bible said he would come and speak to them 
and on one particular day he comes into the garden and they are not there where they usually are and he says Adam where are you and Adam says we're hiding why are you hiding because we're naked who told you you were naked what have you done and we see a separation and God has to kick them out of the garden, out of his presence, out of that, that communication with the word of God, out of that moment, that relationship, and the entire Bible. From that point to this point is God trying to have communion again with his sons and with his daughters. Ah. I come today to preach to somebody in the house uh, that God wants nothing more uh, than to be your father and for you to be his child. This ain't about rules. It ain't about regulation. It ain't about religion. This is about relationship. He wants you. He desires you. He wants to have you. He will move heaven, earth, and hell to get you and put you back in communion with him. For we were separated from him by sin. But by the grace of God, he brought us back to him through his blood and through his sacrifice and through his name. And I believe, I believe that the greatest moment in your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the greatest moment in your Bible is in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them, and they were all. Somebody say all. That's Greek for all. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when it was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these, somebody say all, are not all these which speak Galilean? And how, somebody say how, how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. You say, well, Pastor Chavis, why would you say that this moment is the greatest moment? Why would you not say that Calvary is the greatest moment? Christ dying on the cross for us. Uh, would that not be the greatest moment? How would you negate that as the greatest moment? Can I tell you today that Calvary is beautiful and Calvary is necessary? But can I tell you the Bible doesn't end with Calvary? That's not where it stops. Uh, if, 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 if God was satisfied with Calvary, your Bible would look like Matthew, Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark Luke, John, Revelation. There would be no in-between. There would be no birth of the church. There would be no outpouring of the Spirit. Christ died on Calvary so that his Spirit could be poured out upon mankind. Somebody say, so that. So that we, we, we look at Calvary, we look at Calvary from a vision 
of how great and how mighty God's mercy and how great and mighty God's grace is and how much he loved us that he would give his life so that we might live again and not live again but live eternally. But can I tell you that that was just a setup for this. The only reason that happened is because this needed to happen. Mm, hallelujah. The day of Pentecost is the moment where God's spirit begins to dwell in men. And can I tell you, I don't have time to read it all. But can I tell you, when the Holy Ghost came and when Jesus died on that cross, the veil in the tabernacle was rent. The, the Bible said from, from, from bottom to top, it was rent open, tore open. From earth to heaven, from mankind to God, from, from humanity to deity, it was ripped open. And the Bible says now, 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 somebody say now, now. Any old body who is filled with his spirit, baptized in his name, and filled with the Holy Ghost covered by his blood, now we, we can go before the throne boldly and talk to him. Ah, Hallelujah. You couldn't talk to him before this moment. There was no communication. The only way you could even have any kind of relationship with God is just to follow his laws. And every year you would go to the tabernacle and the high priest, the high priest and the high priest alone would go into the tabernacle with, with, with a cup and, and a branch. And inside the cup would be the blood of the lamb that they had slain. And they would take the blood of the lamb and he would crawl into the holy place. And he would take that blood and that cup and he would dip it in that, he would dip the hyssop branch into that blood. And he would sprinkle the blood on the Ark of the Covenant. And he would sprinkle it in the holiest of holies. And he would crawl back. If God didn't kill him. Because if the blood wasn't right, he was dead. And if he wasn't right, he was dead. But he would sprinkle it on that. And he would back out, never turning his back on the presence of God. He would back out of there. And he would sprinkle it on the candlesticks and on the table of showbread. And he would back out again. And he would sprinkle it on all the instrumentation, on the altar, on the laver, on the gates of the tabernacle. And when they got outside the tabernacle, he would sprinkle it on himself and sprinkle it on all the people. And then... And only then would your sins be pushed back. You couldn't talk to God. You couldn't see him. You had no relationship with him. You just hoped and prayed that the high priest would sprinkle the blood on you and your family. And that you could go back and say, I'm, I'm, I'm clean. I'm covered for this year. For 2021, I'm covered, but now I got to go back 2022 and I got to make sure that I bring the right kind of sacrifice and I got to make sure that everything's just right again, again and again. But the Bible says now he has entered into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and not with the blood of bullocks, but with his own blood to make reparation for the people of God. Can I tell you that when he died on that cross, the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. When the blood came out of his side, when it poured from the wounds on his head, when it poured out of the stripes on his back, the blood was being added to the mercy seat. And now the high priest, your high priest, my high priest, has entered into the tabernacle not made with hands. Hey! Yeah. The Bible tells us this in Hebrews 10. Let me read it from, let me read from Hebrews 10 and 10. By which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Somebody say once. 
for all. Somebody say all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Those moments with those high priests, it never took away sins. It just pushed them back in reserve. They're just stacking up year after year. We're just pushing them back. We're not remitting them. We're not making them disappear. We're not covering them by the blood. We're just putting a wall between the sins and us. One more year. One more year. Stack it up. He said it can never take away sins. But watch verse 12. But this man. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sit down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, watch. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water uh, listen I'm not here today to preach no sermonette for Christian nets I came with a word from the word I came with a word from, a, from the word today because we get so excited about the sacrifice. We get so excited about the blood. But you see it shift in verse 15. He said, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Watch verse 15. This is whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness unto us. For after that he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. Somebody say the blood, blood. is for the covenant. Oh, hallelujah. The only reason he shed his blood is because there was a covenant. And the only way the covenant could be sealed is with the blood. The only reason he died is so that he could bring you the covenant. That's why Calvary is beautiful. But on the day of Pentecost, that's where we get to covenant. The Holy Ghost didn't fall on the day he died on the cross. The Holy Ghost didn't fall the day he was resurrected out of the grave. The Holy Ghost fell when they were all in one mind and one accord. And suddenly a sound from heaven. Are you with me right now? What I'm telling you is this, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you could walk in the spirit and the spirit could walk in you. We so easily get so tied up and want to make a nursery rhyme out of what Jesus did on the cross. But can I tell you the cross was for the covenant. The blood was for the covenant. The sacrifice was for the covenant. God died for you so that he could fill you with the Holy Ghost. So you could walk through the veil boldly and say, Lord, I need you in my family. Lord, I need you in my life. God, I got to have you. 
What are you saying? I'm saying that there's no difference between you and me today. We've all become priests having a high priest. I'm saying that there's no special dose for me and another dose for you. I'm saying that I got no special access. There is no VIP card. There is no backstage access. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> there is no special option for the preacher in the pulpit. There is no special Holy Ghost. There is no special Holy Ghost that might fit here or might not fit there. But there is in the house today a covenant, and it is for all the Lord's people. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. It is for all the Lord's people. That means you, your neighbor sitting beside you, the guy down the road, your neighbor in your neighborhood, your auntie, your uncle, your mother-in-law, your mama, your daddy. It's for everybody. The Bible says it's for whomsoever will. All the Lord's people. It ain't just special. It's for you today. Uh, ooh, I'm almost finished. Numbers 11 is, a, is concealing. Numbers 11 is concealing what the New Testament is revealing. Numbers 11 doesn't make any sense if that's where you start. If you start at Genesis and you've never read the book of Acts, then you don't even understand what's happening. Because the Bible said that Moses said, Lord, I cannot do this by myself. I need help. And the Lord said, okay, I'm going to give you some help. I'll give you some help. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 70 men. And, and, and you got to read Numbers 11. Read the whole chapter because this is beautiful. Here's what God said. God said, I'm not going to put my spirit on them, Moses. I'm going to put your spirit on them. He said, I'm, Moses is a type and shadow of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. He said, he said, Moses, I, I'm going to take the spirit that I put in you and I'm going to put it on these 70 men. And they're going to love the people like you love the people. And they're going to lead the people like you lead the people. And they're going to have vision like you have vision. And they're going to see what you see. And they're going to have authority like you have authority. Come on, somebody in the house. And so what it's concealing, what it's concealing is that Moses brings in the 70. He gets them all together. The, the fire falls from heaven. The, the cloud descends. And the Bible says the spirit rested on them. And they all begin to prophesy. And they didn't cease. See, if you're waiting, if you're waiting for Acts chapter 2 to see the outpouring of the spirit evidenced by speaking in a new tongue, it's all the way back in Numbers 11. Yeah, yeah. This isn't. Speaking in tongues and prophesying isn't a New Testament thing. It's also an Old Testament thing. Because it was Isaiah. It was Isaiah who told us. He said, with stammering lips and a new tongue will I speak to my people. That's Isaiah. Isaiah said that way back. 700 years before Christ was born. Isaiah already told us God's going to speak to the people and with stammering lips and with new tongues is he going to do it. All the way back in Numbers 11, it falls. It falls. It's a beautiful moment. But, but watch, the, watch what is concealed that's about to be revealed. There's two guys outside the camp. They're not, they're not, they're not, in the, in, in, they're not just in the circle of people who got it all together. They're not just in the circle of people who are inside the tabernacle. This isn't just for the clique inside the church. 
My God, this ain't just for the holy folk. This ain't just for the saved folk. Two men outside the camp just chilling. El dad and me dad. The spirit falls on them and they begin to speak with tongues. And somebody said, hey, they're, they're in the camp. They're in the camp speaking in tongues. We need to stop them. And Moses said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't envy because of me. He said, because the Lord would. He said, this is... It's being concealed, but it's about to be revealed. The Lord would that one day his spirit will be poured out on all the Lord's people and that they all would prophesy. Somebody shout all the Lord's people. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you, buddy. That's you, brother. That's you, sister. All the Lord's people. Nobody's exempt from this. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not one of those holy rollers. You don't have to be in the camp to get it. You can be outside to get it. Well, I didn't wear a suit and tie today. You can still get it. I don't have no ministerial license. You can still get it. Listen, Pastor Chavis, I don't have it all together. You can still get it. I'm not perfect. You can still get it. Oh, nobody knows my name. It's okay, baby. He knows your name. He knows your every thought. He knows the number of the hair on your head. He sees the sparrow. And all the Lord's people, nobody in the room is exempt. God wants you to have it just like they had it. Ah. He said, they outside the camp. They're not part of the group. They're not part of the clique. They don't look like us. They don't sound like us. They're not even part of the 70. God filled 72 that day. Thank God for the two. High five somebody and tell them, thank God for the two. I'm, listen, today, I am a representation of the two. Yeah, I'm, listen, I don't represent the 70 today. I don't represent the 70 elders today. I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. I didn't come to God with a great pedigree. I didn't come to God with all kind of nice stuff. I didn't come to God with no degree. I came to God weary, worn, and sad. And he said, I know you ain't in the tabernacle, but I'm going to feel you in the camp. Hey, thank God for the two because I represent the two today. I wasn't a part of the high echelon. I didn't have all the suits. I didn't have all the ties. No, 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 no. I was a preacher's kid and I was strung out on drugs, but the Lord saved me. I was part of the two. Maybe that's why he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be in. All it takes is two. I thank God that I'm part of the two today. I'm part of the two. Anybody else part of the two? You don't have the pedigree. You ain't got a good last name. If we knew all your stuff, we say, oh my goodness, look what she did. Look what he did. But the Lord saw you and he said, I want you. I need you. I got to have you. I want to use you. I want to feel you. All the Lord's people. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. Somebody ought to lift your hands and receive it right now. I pray that God would fill you with the Spirit right now. I pray you speak in tongues right now. You may not know everything about it, but I know them two men in the camp didn't know nothing. Oh, El Dad and me, Dad, they were just having a regular day. And God filled them with the Spirit. This is not a normal day. God wants to fill you.
Come on, I come to talk to the people that got no credentials. I come to talk to the people that got no priestly robes. God wants to feel you too. Come on, L dad and me dad. Is there an L dad and a me dad in the house? Is there an L dad and a me dad in the house? I was just going about my business. It was just a regular day. It was a regular Sunday. I just went to church because I just went to church. It, it felt like the right thing to do on a Sunday. So I just went to church. I was just minding my own business. Oh, something got a hold of me. We used to write songs about it. Brother Miller, I know you remember. I went to a meeting one night and my heart wasn't right. But something got a hold. I can't even explain it. It was just something. Something got a hold of me. We say, I got it, I got it. There's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. Listen, I can't explain it, but I got it. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worthy of it. I was an L dad and a me dad. I was outside the, I was outside the tabernacle, but he filled me. People said, oh, oh, Moses, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it, Moses. Moses said, stop being jealous. Stop thinking that only the preachers can get it. Hey, hey, we know old L dad and me dad. Them boys is wild. Oh, yeah, I know. And they're going to be wild for me. You know, you know what my prayer is? Brother Fred, you know what my prayer is for Truth Chapel? Is that God will save some wild boys. Just some old strung out crackheads. Don't know nothing about nothing. Get full of the Holy Ghost and just go crazy on this world. I always got to get a hold of some people like L Dad and me, Dad, who ain't in the tabernacle. I pray that somebody's driving down the road right now and just be filled with the Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what God wants to do is bigger than the tabernacle. Tell them, say, neighbor, what God's about to do. Don't you dare get jealous. Because he's going to bring some folks in here don't look like you, don't walk like you, don't smell like you, don't look like you. Don't you be jealous. Don't you envy. There's some folks coming in the door. There's some folks coming in the door. If we saw them on the street, we probably wouldn't even stop. Maybe lock our doors as we pass by them. But God said, that's my L dad. That's my meat dad. All the Lord's people. All the Lord's people. All the Lord's people. All the Lord's people. Man, I wish I could get off this right now, but I feel the Holy Ghost here. Come on, Truth Chapel. Who's the L dad in the house? Who's the me dad in the house? I know you got some stuff, but God's looking for some L dads and me dads. I know you got some issues, but, but, but God ain't looking for just people in the tabernacle. Uh, look. <laughs> I'm going to try to close with this. Listen. L dad. Eldad, it's his name. Eldad, you know what it means? It means, Eldad means God has loved. 
And me, dad, means love. God has loved love. So the next time you're driving outside the tabernacle and you see L dad standing on the corner with a sign, and you're thinking, well, they outside the tabernacle. I need you to know that their names mean God has loved. And we need to love what God has loved. Yeah, the next time you sitting in your break room at your job, and old Craig and them over there making dirty jokes and laughing and cutting up, and you start thinking, well, God could never save them. You need to say, Lord, I pray that old L dad and me dad over there. Because <laughs> God said, I love them. I love L dad. God has loved. But how? Wait a minute, Pastor. They're not in the church. They're not in the tabernacle. They don't have the right outfits. God loved them. God has loved. And can I preach to the L dads and me dads standing in this room that came in here today with more problems than anybody could shake a stick at? No cool background. No daddy who preached like my daddy. No grandfather who preached like my grandfather. You feel like you're outside the tabernacle. You feel like I don't really fit in here. I'm just going to church so I can check off a box and maybe not go to hell, hopefully. Oh, God wants more for you than that. This ain't about am I going or not going. No, 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 no. This right here is about the Lord wants to pour it out on all his people. No man left behind. See, there's a verse in the New Testament that we struggle to preach. Matter of fact, I ain't never heard nobody preach it. But there's a verse in the New Testament when Jesus looked at his disciples and it said, For it is God's will that none should perish. So, go ahead and take that excuse off your book. Because if we're talking about God's will, he told us what his will was. He said, it's my will that everybody makes it. It's my will that all the Lord's people get it and have it. No one's exempt. The, listen, if you want to go to hell today, you're going to have to work for it, baby. That's your decision. That's not God's. That's on you. Because I know what his will is. Everybody tell me, I, I wish I knew the will of God. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Revelation moment. Get your, get, your, get your pad out. Get your pen. Get ready to write. It's revelation. He wants everybody to make it. The people you don't like, the people I don't like, there's a couple of them. I'm working on it. Hallelujah. God's dealing with me. Yeah. Every, every Buddhist, every Muslim, every person you don't think can make it, let me tell you what God's hoping in the background. Every person that you think isn't worthy, here comes somebody running. Hey, oh, Dad, I got the Holy Ghost. Me, Dad, I got the Holy Ghost. Why are you surprised, man? Why are you surprised? 
I, I just didn't think. Listen, everybody who you think can't be it, there's a God in the background going, I hope. Oh, I hope. <laughs> Every person you think isn't worthy, Every person you think don't deserve it, there's a God in the background going, ha ha, if I could just get them into a church house one time. Oh, if, if, if one of my people would stop by and witness to them and tell them, hey, there's a church down there on Loganville Highway called Truth Chapel. You can't miss it. Down there, then people will love you because they love what God has loved. you throw your hands in the air right now? As your hands are lifted. I want you just to have an open spirit right now. Say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I want it. Don't, don't think about religion. Don't, don't think about denomination. Don't think about tradition. Just think about his will. God, if, if you want me to have this, I want it. I want it without reserve. I want it without option. And I'm not, I'm not thinking about the religious concepts of this. And I'm not thinking about the denominational concepts of this. But I'm thinking about the God concepts of this. That God wants me to have the Holy Ghost. That God wants to fill me. Not only that, but God wants to use me. Yeah. Because he never feels what he don't use. God wants you today. Now would you just add your voice in this house? Come on, lift your voice. All over this building. I, want you I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.